My voice is giving me hints that this may be a very short sermon. But I promised you that we would talk about the tradition that Jesus is uh, inheriting in this passage, and so we shall. There is one of the most famous passages in the Talmud about two rabbis, Shammai and Hillel. And these are the two most famous uh, rabbis in in the Talmud, and they represent two different sides of disputation. Shammai is always about following uh, the law very strictly, where Hillel is about opening up interpretations uh, and being much more, shall we say, welcoming of various different interpretations of the Bible. And so these two people are often in rhetorical uh, writings pitted against each other as two different ways to understand readings and writings that we have. One of the writings in the Talmud uh, says, Uh, that there is a Gentile who wants to convert to Judaism. And this is something that happened even in early Christian, uh, the early Christian days. There were a number of sort of fellow travelers that came up in different synagogues. There were many Gentiles that found themselves in synagogues, either seeking to find something in the old traditions of Judaism or because they uh, they were attracted by the teachings. But this particular Gentile said that he would accept Judaism only if the great rabbis could recite the whole teachings of the Torah or summarize the entire teachings of the Torah while he, the Gentile, stood on one leg. Quite a challenge. Quite a challenge. So he went to Shammai first, this great expositor of the law, who, insulted by this request, threw him out of the house and, in some uh, accounts, beat him with a cane. Then he went to Hillel. And Hillel accepted the challenge and said, What is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. That is the whole Torah. The rest is just commentary. Go and study. Right? So this tradition Jesus is in, and it's interesting to look at this, the greatest commandment of Jesus, in light of this teaching, which he almost certainly would have known. Um, This account really comes from uh, the first century BCE, so we're talking about in the last century uh, before Christ that this is happening. And so what we have is Jesus taking these teachings of Hillel, taking the idea that you can summarize the entire teachings and get it down to its core, but not necessarily to eliminate all the complexity of them. And he says here, um, in this uh, translation, it says, all the law and the prophets depend on these two commands, and others, all the law and the prophets, hang off of these two commands to love God and love your neighbor. So you can see Jesus following in this tradition of early Judaism, this reforming tradition, reforming tradition, looks at all the teachings, looks at the Ten Commandments, looks at all of the things that come out of the Ten Commandments and says, look, really, this comes down to love. To love. One can imagine that Hillel is really seeing the law as uh, reflecting the love of God for us and our love for our neighbors, that for Hillel, I'm sure that a love of God comes is shown in our love of one another in our abandoning of hate and Jesus thinks the same thing though he phrases it slightly differently in our way it is not just about studying although that is an oversimplification of Hillel's piece but Jesus exploration and the topic that has occupied volumes of Christian commentary is what does it mean to love God 
with your whole heart and your whole being. What does it mean to love God so much that it suffuses your entire being, that it is what your life is about? And what does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? I think what we see in this message, in this passage, as much as we do in the story of Shammai and Hillel, is that it means being open to change, understanding that loving God means being able to be changed by God in your own life, understanding that God's works throughout history are there. They're there for us to see, they're there for us to interpret, but we must not ever think that they are authoritative in our own lives. That loving God means learning from our history, but means too listening for that quiet voice that says, in this era, we find new ways to transform ourselves. Even though we are not the persecuted minority of early Christianity, even in this position we have in the mainline church of declining influence, we need not be bound to the practices of the 1950s any more than Luther was of his days. Loving God means knowing that we may be reformed and in fact are reformed every day. Every day we wake up and we are different than we were the day before, but to understand the implications of that is hard. We like to think that we are the same every day, that we are a continuum of existence that is unchanging, but it is not the case. We are affected by one another. We are affected by God. We are reformed every day. And knowing and loving God with all our hearts and all our souls means letting God into that act of reformation every day. Likewise, loving our neighbor as we love ourselves means something subtly unnerving. It means indeed that we must love ourselves. Something we're not used to thinking about. We are not used to thinking about loving ourselves being a positive thing. But how can we experience the love of God if we do not love ourselves as well? If we do not accept the grace of Jesus Christ in our lives and understand that we, as surely as our neighbor, are loved children of God. We must accept that we were made as we are, but we are remade every day and find the grace that allows us to go on in that spirit. So these truly are the two greatest commandments. If we are not able to be reformed every day, if we are not able to find the grace of God in our lives every day, then we cannot do anything that is implied in the rest of the teachings that we read. We cannot adapt them to our lives and to our times. We cannot find what it means to continue on even though our lives are different in ways 
we may not have wanted. For we are surely reformed by grief as much as by love. But the hope in Jesus Christ is that this love is what God is all about. That we must look at all of the teachings through the lens of God's love for us and God's hope that we love one another. Which means that Martin Luther may not have been the exact exemplar of what we would like to be, but if we look at his teachings, if we look at his actions through the lens of love, then we can find meaning too that reverberates in our lives. I was reading through the 97 Theses, and it was interesting to me that a number of them dealt with the uh, necessity of people to care for their own families. One of his objections to the, uh, to the sale of plenary indulgences, this idea that you could move someone's time through purgatory along by paying money to the church, one of his objections was that the churches were demanding money from people that led to no end, money that they could use to feed one another, to help one another in temporal ways. And this was his objection. It was clear that he had many different theological points, but there was that practical one, too, that Luther felt love for his neighbors as much as he felt horror at the activities that were going on. And so you can look at his 97 Theses as an act of love as well as an act of disputation. And so in our lives, we must find ways to look at the actions of our sisters and brothers in that same way. Where is the love in their actions toward us? And where is the love in our actions toward one another? Because the hope of Jesus Christ is that we all have love for one another and that we love, that we live the love that God has for us in this world and beyond it. So as we go from here, let us bring with us the simplicity of Christ's reformation of old teachings and look at the world through the lens of love. Amen.